Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we get started here, not only we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, but for those of you who have your Bibles with you or uh, another tablet, just kind of keep in the back of your mind, we're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 here, just, or chapter 1 here in a little bit as well. So I just want to kind of set you up for that. I love this right here at the end. We thank God because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is. Word of God. I got to tell you, that brings great joy to my heart, reading that, knowing that uh, as your pastor, there are times where I sometimes look out and I go, is anyone there? Anyone? 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 Anyone listening? Anyone here today? Bodies are present, minds look engaged on something else. Sometimes I want, you know, do, do they hear it? Do they know it? Do they know this is God's word? I, I tell you this in our new member classes, those of you who have been to those classes, I picture myself up here preaching with a chair turned backwards. I'm kind of leaning in it backwards, forwards, you know, and, and I'm kind of sitting, I'm going, man, I studied this, this this week and this is good stuff and I've got to share it with you, my friends. That's honestly how I view the word of God. And it's, it's not my word. It's not. We had a funeral on Wednesday for Tim Breck. Battled colon cancer for eight years. Yeah. Eight, eight long years. As full as the sanctuary is right now. And for those of you that came in a little early and you don't know how full, just go ahead and turn around right now and stare at the people at the back just so you see how full it is, okay? I just want you to know how full it is in here. This is light compared to the funeral service Wednesday. We were cram-packed just like last Sunday for Easter. And it was awesome to see the families that came to honor Tim's life and to worship Jesus all at the same time. I had someone come up to me afterwards, and they said, Wow, you, you actually preached like you, you actually knew him. I said, I did know him. <laughs> It's like, I, I know Tim. <laughs> I, I paused for a minute and I said, well, to be honest with you, it's easy to preach when you've got good source material. And you know, I think that way every week when I preach the Word of God. If I were making this stuff up, I would get tired and weary of it a lot. But there, there's a plethora of God's Word to share with you. And it can't ever come out enough. I, I tell Mark all the time, look, could we just do like two songs? Because I feel like a 25 or 30 minute are coming on. And he's like, no! We got four songs, we're doing four. And I'm like, ah! communion, we're going to commission Stephen ministers. Like, that's it. Y'all are just staying until 11, okay? That's... We'll just tell the third group, wait. Of course, they won't have any parking spots. <laughs> the Word of God. It actually is. The very Word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. This is what makes my heart feel exceptionally well. I know that the Word of God is actually at work because I see it producing fruit in you. 
I hear about it. You email it. You share stories of your neighbors. I meet your neighbors. I meet people that you're actually impacting with the gospel, which means many of you are being bold in your inviting. And I don't just mean inviting to church. Most of the stories, in fact, you haven't invited very many people to come to church. That's not the issue. It's that you've invited them to do life with you. It's that you've invited them to come over to your house and share a glass of wine or a meal. Or you've invited them to share with maybe uh, the, the study that we did during Lent. And you said, hey, you don't have to come to our church. You don't have to listen to our pastor. But we're going we're gonna to study this book and we're going to read it together. You've actually been inviting people to Bible studies that you attend out in the community. One gentleman shared with me this week, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've actually invited three of our neighbors over to come over Wednesday night. We share a beer, we talk about the week, and then probably by the end, we do maybe a little bit of study, or we at least pray for one another. Many of you are, are starting to put into action the actual Word of God in a loving way, in a living way, and being bold about it. Because I can see the fruit. And your neighbors can see the fruit. And the people you're worshiping with can actually see the fruit. But there are others. There are others of you who are just coming because it sounds good. There are others of you that you're just coming because I can kind of keep you awake for 20 or 30 minutes. There's others, you're coming because, well, I mean, they, they got a new building. I mean, there's something happening there. I kind of want to be a part of something, but you don't even know what the something is. You, you actually haven't made a commitment to be a part of God's Word, to be a part of the fellowship, to say, God, rock my world. You see, the first invitation about being bold is to God. I'm not questioning whether or not you have saving faith. Again, God knows that. God judges that. What I'm questioning is, is have you said to God, radically change my life? My guess is most of you haven't. And here's why. Because truth be told, you probably think your life's pretty good. It just needs a little bit more. Most of us, if we evaluate our life, we go, I'd give myself a B plus. I come to church to try to kick it on up to an A minus. Because I don't want to be an A plus, because those A plusers, whoa, they're just weird. All right. They might actually have their hands up. They might actually bring a Bible. I mean, they are people. At, well, I've got an A pluser at work. Woo-hoo. got -uh. the joy of the Lord all the time. Spirit fingers with it, too. You're going, I don't know if I want to be that much of a Christian. But I'm pretty sure that the actual Word of God is indeed supposed to be at work in those who believe. So I'm going to say something that might hurt. If the Word of God is not at work in you, currently, if you aren't cursing less, let's just say, let's, uh, uh, if you're still 
mandating that when you get on the on-ramp into the highway, everyone gets out of your way, and you're not kind and letting people in. Okay, if you're not welcoming neighbors into your life, if all you do is go in, shut the garage door, now you're home at your castle, you're away, you're secure. If you aren't touched in your heart about the homeless in our community, If you're still holding on to a 5 and a 10 and a $20 bill and you begrudgingly put that in the plate, I'm going to ask you to question yourself of whether or not the Word of God's actually active in your life. Have you invited God to change your smirk, your frown? Have you invited God into the dark places of your life, the dark places you go, you think you're alone, you think nobody else knows about? Have you invited God there? He wants to be in all of those places. He wants to be around. He wants to have his word active, living, as sharp as a double-edged sword, cutting, which means cutting away the bad things, the dross, the things that don't need to be around, inviting God to do that. Yeah, God, would you please come in and discipline me? Would you prune me so that I can bear fruit? That's a pretty tough prayer. But I'm convinced this is a congregation, this is a grouping of people, this is a community that needs and desires and wants so badly to hear the Word of God so that it actually makes changes in people's lives. Not that we just hear about Jesus doing good things, but that we have Jesus do good things in us and through us. This is why I wanted to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 5, just hear these words. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Ha! Timothy lives his faith in such a way that everyone around him knows about his family. Everybody else kind of knows Timothy's story. And I'm convinced, Christians, there are people that want to hear your story. Absolutely. Uh, meeting with our neighbor lady again, I've, I've told you a little bit about her. Uh, I wasn't sure if she went to church. I found out this last week she, in fact, does go to church. She was divorced five years ago. Um, I, this is the lady I, I helped clean the driveway off when the snow comes in. Well, after the last snowstorm, her car high-centered. So it was half the car in the driveway, half hanging out in the street. And so the next day, after kind of everything went away, I went back out, and I'm kind of doing the sidewalk, and it was that wet, heavy, yucky snow, right? I mean, this is like back-breaking, really moving snow. So I tell Cooper, hey, go get the shovel. We've got to actually dig, you know, Miss Denise out. And so I'm digging under the car. I mean, it's everything I can do to get this car out of high center. I get it out. She comes in, oh, Dave, which you all know my propensity and just love to be called Dave. And, but that's my, my neighbors call me Dave for some reason. And Dave, oh, she gives me this big hug and she proceeds to, to talk and to share, right, about her life and day. And I mean, it's like I, I got to. I got a Monday, Thursday service to get to, okay? I'm preaching. I got to go. <laughs> we're talking. We're sharing life. And she said, 
Now, I just want you to know, John would have done this. John's her new boyfriend. But he just did the driveway, and he left it out here, and so that's how I high-centered. Oh, I'm going to call John right now. It's like, you don't have to call John. That's all right. John, the, the pastor is over here doing what you could not do. And I'm like, no, no, don't. Don't, don't do this, you know. And, and then she's kind of keep going, and all of a sudden she's like, well, I know you know that John's truck is over here some nights. I was like... I didn't, I didn't say anything, okay? So I just want you to know he sleeps in a different room, okay? And I said, that's cool. I said, I wasn't going to say anything. She's like, well, I told John he better watch it because the pastor lives next door. <laughs> and he might judge. I thought, have I been that way that she would think that? Have I said anything in the past to make her believe that I might just judge right off the bat and not give her the benefit of the doubt? I thought, Christians, that's why we've lost our witness. Because our boldness is only seen in how we come at people with the law. We're really good about knowing the Ten Commandments, and we can point out sin with the best of them. But I have never known an adult convert who said, yeah, my friend really called me an evildoer and a whoremonger. And I just wisened right up and just said, please, i got to have Jesus in my heart. There's never been a grandkid, grandparents. Never that I've known. When you shake your finger at them and tell them they're not living their life right, you better get to church. I don't know a single grandkid that has come to faith with that. I only know that it is by the love and grace of Jesus Christ lived out God's word active in the lives of believers that has actually had any kind of bold witness in the lives of people. Telling a coworker, man, I know you never you didn't invite me to church or anything, but I, I just I saw you pray over your lunch. I, I caught a couple of your emails sometimes and you were writing prayers for people. You're so kind and generous and forgiving. You've got hope even in the midst of things that I know are going on in your life because you actually share your life with us. I just want you to know that's what's made an impact. That's been bold living. And I want to know more about it. You see, when we're bold in our invitations, this is what I mean. I don't mean that you're walking up to people going, okay, pastor preached a sermon today. You have got to come to church with me so I get this monkey off my back. That's not what we're talking about. I don't care if your neighbors or your coworkers or your family or friends ever come to church. That's not what we're... I want you to invite them into your life 
and simply love them. We have some kind of permanent visitors that are not yet family, uh, 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 members of family of Christ here yet. Uh, they've been coming pretty regularly for the last couple of months, and uh, their young son is friends with my son, and they ride the bus with the kids. And the young boy was over this week. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, this is how easy it is. This kid is awesome, okay? He's five years old. He's a kindergartner. And I'm cooking dinner, and it smells really good. Right? And the kids are running through the house. Okay? And he stops in mid-sprint, all right, and goes, I'd be more than happy to eat dinner with you today. <laughs> and I was like, I bet you would. <laughs> you know, if you've got some. I was like, that is pretty dang bold. <laughs> I said, it's not going to work out tonight for us, okay, but maybe some other night. So I texted his dad. I said, hey, your son's on his way home. We're getting ready to eat dinner. I'll have him over sometime. Uh, I'll have him over sometime in, in the weeks ahead. And the dad goes, did he invite himself over for dinner? <laughs> and then he says, he is Italian. He does like to eat. <laughs> Why is it? that we've lost a five-year-old's ability to simply invite ourselves into the lives of other people, it's because we've grown up and as adults, we think it's wrong. I don't want to impose. I don't want to intrude. Yes, we do. We want to impose and we want to intrude because this is what the gospel does. It intrudes. For this reason, I'm reminded you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flame. Why? Because we're meant to be alive and bold. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Which means we have been given by the grace of God the ability to live out God's word. I don't mean perfectly each and every day, but we get to at least live it, read it, mark it, inwardly digest it. Bold. Because our neighbors are our neighbors, our friends are our friends, our co-workers are our co-workers for a reason. God has us there for them. If we do this right, we'll never have enough parking spots. We'll never have enough chairs because we'll be ministering to so many people with the love of Jesus Christ, they won't fit here. Back in the 30s and 40s, unfortunately, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, had as its direction for planting churches one idea and one idea only, and that was to go where the Germans were. You have a member of our congregation whose dad was a mission pastor. He even lived in Argentina. He, remember asking, he remembers asking his dad one day, he said, Dad, how come the kids I play with each and every week don't come to our church? And he said, Son, um, this, this church isn't for them. It's for the Germans living here. 
Maybe that's why we've lost our boldness. Because once we find out that a neighbor is a Christian, we go, oh, good, they're in the fold. Not with our fold, but another fold. I'm sure it's okay. And we kind of leave them alone instead of realizing that, you know what? My neighbor, Denise, still needs me to serve her, love her, forgive her. She and John brought over a bottle of wine and thanks for clearing her driveway. I'm now praying for more snow. <laughs> you get what I'm talking about? Spirit, a power, the, the Word of God, active, living, moving. Being bold is not about changing your personality. Being bold is saying, this is where God has me, and I'll choose to live it in honor and glory of Him. And I will put back the things that keep me from going there. If it's sin, then confess sin and move forward. If it's the fact that I'm tired, then I don't care. Go to bed early. Exercise. Do something. Walk alongside somebody that will push you and shape you and mold you. Give you an example. I'm going on a trip at the end of June. It is an adventurous trip. The group of guys that I am with, um, they're nuts, okay? The first day, we're going 16 miles. This is stupid. Nobody does that much mileage in one day. We're going to be cold, wet, and tired because we're in the slot canyons in Zion National Park in the Narrows. For crying out loud, who plans a trip like this? My friend, Mike Gegline, sitting right here in the front row, okay? He didn't know I was going to talk about this today, but it fits. You know why I'm working out? Because this man's a stud. And if I don't hang with them, all right, I'm going to be made fun of for the whole rest of the summer. Maybe that's what we need, a little good positive shaming as Christians. Or encouragement. Right? For you know that we dealt with each other as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Friends in Christ, let's live lives worthy of the calling of God. You've been given forgiveness freely. Hope beyond hope. Second chance beyond second chance. You who have been given much, you know what? It's our turn to give. It's our turn to serve. Amen. Truly, may this word of God strengthen your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us home. Amen.